0: Thanks for joining Tax Tips today. I'm your host, Brian Gilmore. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, one of my personal favorites. We go back a long time in our short careers. Um, we're with Jason Schulte today. Jason is a project manager for a high net worth registered investment advisory firm. Uh, he also prepares client tax returns. Um, love talking to Jason. You know, I have a little bit of, of experience in the biz as well, preparing tax returns myself. And so, Always love shooting the breeze with them. Chasing, how's it going? How are you doing? How are you holding up?
1: And I'll be doing a lot better once this ten fifteen deadline passes. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you're feeling the same way, but
0: Absolutely. Um, it's
1: one of those things that when you do tax returns, you just gotta <laughs> kind of get through it, right?
0: Right, and yeah, and how? I mean, we'll take a you know a few seconds to talk about um, COVID prep. How was your firm prepared for? the whole COVID crisis, how's it going? I mean, like just, just uh, surviving that whole aspect.
1: Um, luckily the RIA firm uh, registered investment advisory firm that I work for pretty small operation. We, you know, manage about a hundred million in assets and there's only six of us. So luckily to go remote or to have us, with the office 50 50 wasn't a big deal um just because you know a lot less people to have to move around um compared to some of those giant call centers and bigger companies like um, like the one you work for so
0: right, it's a right. pretty easy
1: transition for us it kind of wasn't great that it was right before you know the tax deadline that we had to figure this all out but uh, we made it through and you know we're trucking along so yeah good
0: yeah. It's a great year to be employed. That's for sure. We are so excited to have you today. today we're going to be covering uh, a few subjects, but mainly revolving around the concept of charitable contributions, uh, and mainly how we can offset some of those capital gains. Uh, just for those of you that are listening that might be newer to the concept, you know, charitable contributions. Of course, you go on your 1040. It's it's recorded in uh, this Schedule A. Uh, Schedule A only really plays to your benefit if you are itemizing your deductions, uh, you know, Jason and I probably are, I mean, I guess I'll speak for myself. I'm not in that category um, quite yet. You know, I'm, I'm not as affluent as I aspire to be at some point, but, but it only matters if you are making um, charitable contributions or if you're paying um, interest in certain regards uh, that is in excess of what's called your standard deduction. Uh, as of 2020, the standard deduction for those who are married filing jointly, which is our highest category, Will be twenty-four thousand eight hundred. If you're like Jason and I, I assume Jason's still single. So if you're like Jason and I, we're closer to that twelve thousand four hundred category. The good news is, is we still have what um, a month and a half. But it is in in COVID, um, the world of COVID. So I don't know if we'll be getting hitched that soon to be able to file MFJ for the next year. I don't know what you got any plans coming up in the next month and a half.
1: No, no, I think I'm. I think I'm going to stay single for a little bit here. But one thing I would mention, Brian, speaking yeah. about charitable contributions, uh, is when especially when you're talking about itemizing, you're talking about sure high income earners. But it, it, the other part that a lot of people don't think about when with itemizations is you, I mean, you're dealing with health expenses, out of pocket health expenses, mileage deductions. Uh, I mean yeah like you mentioned mortgage interest so there's there's quite a few different um deductions you can take on that schedule a Absolutely. and especially when you get to talking about medical expenses and those things i mean y- you're talking about the you know gen xers the baby boomers um who are in that category where they're starting to have to you know get some medical procedures done to keep their health up and so we generally see them itemizing maybe more than you or i or other people our age
0: Absolutely. And I think that's really applicable, especially during uh, times of uncertainty Uncertainty in the medical field. I mean, like when we're talking about people that are in our age group that are getting um, hospitalized, you know, uh, for various reasons. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely something that if you are, you know, giving charitably, like we're going to be talking about, then it, you know, it just compounds the tax benefits that you have. So absolutely. And so um, just Moving right along, we're going to um, go ahead and talk about how, um, you know, RMDs, you know, as we're talking about um, some of the older generations um, in the United States, requirement required minimum distributions, um, how that works, how we can use some of these um, charitable contributions and donations in kind to our benefit to avoid some of those capital gains. How do those work? Yeah, for sure. Um, well-
1: one thing to keep in mind is being from Utah myself, um, the climb that we see around the Schedule A and the charitable contributions is a lot of donations to um, the LDS Church, right. um, a lot of members of the LDS Church out here in Utah. And so that's, that's where a lot of my experience comes in, especially with um, my, my time here at the Registered Investment Advisory Firm. But yeah, so what you're saying is um, we're talking about required minimum distribution. So you or I or anybody who has a regular IRA, it's important to realize that Roth IRAs do not require um, an RMD at any point, that minimum distribution. And the IRS does that because you've already paid the tax. They could care less if you take that money out. Um, Whereas with these traditional IRAs, you haven't, you haven't, you've never paid the taxes on, on the, well, I mean, you have paid the taxes since it's an IRA, but then you got that credit back on your tax return and then you've never paid the taxes on the gain. So they want you to pull that out. So they get their money. Right. Right. Um, kind of messed up if you ask me, but I guess that's <laughs> life. Right. So so what we're talking my about money. is, uh, you know, what, what, <laughs> Once you turn 70 and a half, the IRS is actually going to come to you and say, hey, there's a certain amount of money you have to pull out of this IRA each year. Now, depending on the size of the account, I mean, I've seen, you know, some clients of ours who have most of their money in a 401k that gets drawn from regularly in their IRA has a couple thousand dollars and they have to pull $300 out. It's not causing them any sort of, you know, tax implication, maybe $100 worth of taxes to be owed on that. But when we get into some of our bigger clients with, you know, being 80 years old and having $2 million in an IRA, that's where this, these R&Ds can really mess people up, especially when you're near the end of your life. So something we've started to do um, with some of our clients is uh, it's called a QCD, a Qualified um, Charitable Distribution. And what that is is when you're distributing funds from your IRA, um, specifically the RMD. You can't do it just as a regular distribution. It has to be from that RMD. So if you if you don't qualify for an RMD, you do not qualify for that QCD. Um, But yes, what we're doing is we actually take stocks that they own and we're donating it to the church for them or donating it to other charitable organizations that have accounts at Charles Schwab and Fidelity and all these others and avoiding the taxable income on that distribution. Um, helping them save quite a bit of money in taxes, you know, as you can imagine, because, you know, we're we're completely stopping that as income.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we've seen that a lot yet, you know, to some of the points that you made, especially in the Salt Lake city kind of culture, a lot of times, our clients are trying to make, you know, they feel it as a moral obligation to make that 10% donation. And so if we're able to help them achieve that end, and then um, save them from recognizing some of those capital gains, you know, to them, the net benefits, you know, can be huge, can be very substantial, uh, especially when we're talking about, yeah, the higher the net worth, of course, the higher those payments tend to be. And so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, Something we want to talk about, too, is the fact that um, the tax cuts and jobs jobs acts um, effectively eliminated um, any of the caps on charitable contributions. Have you seen, you know, you know, number one, how, what did you think about that elimination? You know, uh, and have you seen any differences in, in kind of the tactics that your uh, that your firm uses since uh, tick Joe was announced and established?
1: Yeah, so two things, I guess. One, sometimes before the standard deduction was doubled, you know, remember before the TJCA, um, we were looking at a 6,000 standard deduction for individuals and, you know, 12,000 somewhere around there for, you know, married, filing, jointly. So before that, it was so easy to itemize. We would pay two years worth of tithing or two years worth of these donations in one year help them get the most benefit that doesn't really apply anymore um with this higher standard deduction it's harder to hit that itemization and so you know we we're doing one year at a time Um, but the other thing we've seen is we've seen clients um donating a lot more money especially in big income years Um, i can speak for one of our clients um owned a farm, made a ton of money when he sold his farm and kind of all got put into this trust, my um, charitable remainder trust, which we may talk about next time you have me on. Yeah. But as, as far as his QCD goes, he is, he's hitting a hundred thousand dollars every year and he'll donate a hundred thousand dollars to the stock. And the reason being, I mean, Brian, you think about this when, when you have a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock with a cost basis of twenty grand because it's been right. sitting in that account for years, um, he's he's set to pay at his tax bracket, you know, twenty percent on that. Right. So if he were to cash out any of that, he's paying the twenty percent on the gains. Whereas by donating it directly to this charitable organization, he doesn't have to recognize any gains. He doesn't have to recognize any income and Basically, he just gets to give that money to the church for free,
0: right? And so it and,
1: makes a ton of sense for, for a lot of our clients.
0: And they get that, and you know, the other really important element is they get that step up in basis for the amount that they donated to. So we're avoiding, and and for those of us, who maybe we should take a step back and talk about cap gains rates. So um, give us a quick rundown as to you know what is you know capital gains versus ordinary um, income rates, you know, for the layman.
1: Yeah. So your long-term capital gains rates are going to range between zero to 20%. I mean, not a, not a huge amount, right? 20% still kind of sucks, but it's not going to kill anybody if you, if you've got those rates, but where you do get hurt is if you have short-term capital gains, because that's going to be taxed to your ordinary income rate, um, which for a lot of our clients, they're sitting above 30% all the way up. We have a client that you know, nets over a million a year and he's, He's at a 37% tax bracket. so, And for him, he doesn't qualify for the RMD, the QCD portion, but still donations in kind, um, which we can talk a little bit more about. He gets to avoid those capital gains on all these stocks that he's owned for years. Um, And it's just a smart thing for these high-income earners, these high-net-worth individuals to do.
0: Awesome. So let's say if I, you know, I am just, you know, fresh on the the trail of becoming an accountant, I've, I've made the, um, you know, risky decision of becoming a tax accountant and I'm in my first year, what kind of forms am I looking at? What, you know, what sections of the IRC am I looking at to kind of get a better idea of, uh, of what encompasses charitable contributions and, you know, the specific rules.
1: Sure. So, specifically section 170 of the irc is going to be your go-to guide for charitable contributions um, and that's going to pretty much lay all your rules out whether it be for an individual making a charitable contribution or businesses corporations whatever that may be but as far as what i'm discussing now these qcds donations and kind within the charitable contributions realm um the irc IRS actually publishes a great article or great. They have a great publication called it's the 590B, um, talking about distributions from in, from IRAs or individual retirement accounts. Um, so that's that's where you're going to want to look for that information. Anything to do with any of that. Now, now it's important to note when you're donating something other than cash. You know, a lot of times when When you and I are going through tax returns, we're seeing, you know, so and so donate fifteen dollars to the Red Cross, or you know, some twenty-five dollars worth of clothing to Goodwill, or um, you know, twenty-five dollars to Doctors Without Borders, something like that. And those are all cash contributions. They're just they're on your Schedule A under cash contributions. But when you when you start donating stock. Or if you donate, say you're moving and you just didn't want anything in your house and you donate the whole house to Goodwill or something, there is a form. um, It's the form 8323. uh, I think you mean 8283. 8283. Right, right. right, Yeah. A little little mixed up in my head there. But um, it's the (laughs) form for non cash charitable contributions. And this is used for anything if you're donating property over $5,000 or any traded securities. So this is the form you'd be using if, you know, if you wanted to donate, you know, five shares of Apple to some charitable organization.
0: Yep. So then, um, and this,
1: and is... I guess I,
0: uh, Oh, sorry. It looks yeah. like we're, we're cutting so into The now. other
1: thing or real quick. Um, yeah. The other thing real quick is I failed to mention that you're also going to have to be dealing with the 1099 R, you know, that uh, the statement of what was dispersed from your IRA account. And then as a tax preparer, the hard thing is there is a spot on most tax softwares within your input screen for a 1099R that asks if it's a qualified charitable distribution. Now, the only way you're going to know this is if you know this taxpayer's birthday so like that's something you kind of got to watch out for and just kind of keep an eye on when you're when you're dealing with this situation um i've caught it many times where i'm like oh is it a qcd or was it not and you just kind of got to check birthdays and make sure they're over 70 and a half and they were required to take that distribution
0: absolutely and i think that's that's really important for you know those of our listeners who are the taxpayers themselves is is, you know make that a point of of uh, contact you know make sure that your tax preparer knows that you're um, hitting those tax points because I mean, like we're all human, especially on years like this where we're going through so many other changes, you know, friendly reminders of, Hey, look, you know, I did get this IRS, IRS notice. Um, I do think I fall under these categories, all good talking points that, you know, just as a citizen, as a taxpayer, um, you know, if you want it to be ahead of the ball game, you know, go ahead and, and go ahead and, and make those talking points yourself. Yeah. And so, um, you know, another hot topic that we want to talk about since we're sitting on the 8283 and, and we had talked about this, um, you know, on our phone call before this, as we talked about some of the controversy that uh, we've seen, you know, specific, it seemed like it was a bigger deal back in 2019 before the whole world blew up, but uh, it was talking about the, um, you know, the page two of the 8283 talking about art contributions. Have you actually had any um, clients that have contributed art uh, um, at significant markups and you know because uh, we we're talking about donations in kind and you know avoiding those capital gains rates uh, have you seen art contributions and and um, what do you think about that controversy
1: um, I have not personally seen that uh, but uh, I talked to a buddy of mine and he had so I mean it's right there was that movie with Kevin Hart this last year maybe two years ago where he you know it's based on the true story where he's helping the guy that's paralyzed and he draws some random dog picture and he the rich guy sells it to his neighbor for 50 grand because <laughs> he says some up and coming artist, like something stupid like that but I, we personally don't have any experience with it i, I find it pretty ridiculous personally but you know <laughs> people will look for whatever loopholes they'll look for right Right. And
0: so if you're giving advice to some of our listeners, you're saying that's probably uh, a little bit on the more aggressive side, as far as uh, tax tactics, probably something you don't see. And dealing with high net individuals yourself, you still see that that's really not the case. um, Mostly, you know, for the most part.
1: Yeah. if I had to give a recommendation. I would probably avoid doing something to that end uh, just because, I think at that point you're asking for the IRS to come in and audit you.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I was going to say we did. um, I did have the opportunity to be, you know, to be involved with one of our clients who did take this approach. You know, luckily he did have a substantial record of being a collector um, and a tradesman himself. He did have reputable um, sources to value his property and he did rotate um, the people that valued his art. So, you know, especially if you're favoring, you know, one specific um, person. I think it's, it, you know, um, some of these aggressive uh, tactics can't, are, are pretty see-through and, like you said, are, are a lot more likely to get a second opinion from the IRS, which uh, I think for the most part, we, we love to avoid them at all costs. <laughs> like, as long, you know, unless, of course, we have to go to bat for something that we strongly believe in. I think it's, uh, it's for um, our benefit and for our client's benefit to just play within the rules. I I think that's the general consensus. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. And yeah, I mean, Brian, I'm going to have to let you go here. I've got to jump on another call with, um, at work, but good talking to you and, um, let's do this again.
0: Absolutely. Hey, Jason, it's always a pleasure having you on tax tips today and uh, we look forward to having you back.